Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. In the last episode I did, I had mentioned that there was a couple of topics from the last news cycle that I wanted to give a little more of an in-depth dis- discussion about. And that last episode, I just didn't have time to fit it all into that. So this is basically the part two to that episode. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Michael Flynn revelations that came out last week. If you kind of missed this story, which I mean, God knows there's so much going on right now that it's hard to focus on any one story for longer than like 20 seconds before the next thing happens or we we discover something new about COVID or whatever. But anyway, um, somebody did a FOIA request on the FBI and it kicked back a couple different pages of emails, some handwritten notes pertaining to when the FBI was questioning Michael Flynn. Now, a lot of people latched on to this because there was some back and forth discussion about whether when they were questioning Flynn, if they should acknowledge that they knew that Flynn had talked to George Kislyk. So a lot of people interpreted this as evidence of a deep state coup or some evidence that the FBI was engaging in some sort of extra got you situation with Michael Flynn to basically try to entrap him. Um, yeah, about that. Um, a lot of people apparently were not aware of how questioning by law enforcement works from obviously DOJ, FBI, all the way down to your local police stations, sheriff's office, whatever. So let's take a step back and look at this. And actually, if anything, Flynn actually got something in the way of preferential treatment, because if it was you or I in that situation, I highly doubt that the FBI would be questioning whether or not they should let us know that they know something that they're about to ask you about. Usually we do not get that kind of consideration. They just do it. And so here's how law enforcement questioning works. If a member of law enforcement wants to bring you in for questioning, it is because of one of two things. Either A, they know you did something wrong and they want you to admit to it. B, they know you did something wrong and they want you to lie about it. Or C, they think that you may have done something or that you have relevant information and they want you to lie about it or tell them the truth. Basically, what it is, is that when law enforcement is talking to you, the whole point of this interrogation is not to exonerate you. It is to get you to incriminate yourself By one of those three methods, by either admitting to something or lying about something that they already know to be true or otherwise entrapping yourself by either lying about something or misremembering something or just plain talking too damn much. I will never stop being amazed at the amount of people who just develop diarrhea of the mouth when they're talking to law enforcement because you think you're helping them in their case. No, that's not what you're there for. The only person you need to be concerned about helping in that situation is yourself. 
And however you may happen to feel about that, I mean, yes, it's shitty, clearly, but that is how law enforcement questioning works for everybody. It wasn't that Flynn got some sort of special harsh treatment. He got the same treatment that you and I and everybody else gets whenever you're questioned by law enforcement. And kind of the freak out on this story reminded me a lot of when the Carter Page FISA story broke and everybody kind of went crazy thinking, oh my God, look at the FISA court. They totally railroaded Carter Page. Look at look at this process. Look at it, look at it, look at it. And those of us who followed that are like, no, the story here isn't that Carter Page got treated that way. The story is that's how the FISA court treats everybody. They, they, they rubber stamp everybody's FISA warrants. They let you run whatever kind of just like slim ass, whatever evidence that anybody can just slide through the FISA court. It wasn't Carter Page. That's how we all get treated. And so there was a moment of having that conversation during the Carter Page story. Obviously, the FISA court still exists. Um, They just renewed the Patriot Act. So... I mean, for all of the outrage that was generated for that, um, clearly not outraged enough to actually do anything about it. And I include Trump in that, too, because he re-signed the Patriot Act when it came across his desk. So really, how mad are you about it, dude? Like, really? But I, I hope that this kind of sparks a conversation about how law enforcement treats people. And like I said, there's a lot of other stuff going on right now. So I highly doubt that conversation is going to happen. But if you are interested, um, read You Have the Right to Remain Innocent. Or if you want, go into the archives and listen to the episode I did on the book, where it really demonstrates what I'm saying in that this is how law enforcement works when they are questioning you. And this is why when you talk to the cops, first off, don't. If you can at all avoid it, do not speak to cops. They are not there to help you. Say as little as possible. Ask for your lawyer. Plead the fifth. Plead the sixth. And then shut the fuck up. Because even when you look at what they're being tell, what you're being told, when you're being read your Miranda rights, they're telling you off the rip what exactly this is. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say may be used against you in court. Like they're telling you, shut up for your own good. Shut up. And people still don't. And it's just still, it blows my mind. But hopefully maybe, I don't know, some of the people that actually got all up in a lather about what happened to Michael Flynn might take the moment to look a little bit further and realize that the treatment he got from the FBI was not different from anybody else in that situation. I'm not crossing my fingers because, like I said, on the Carter Page thing, I I mean, the, the, the anger was bright and it was short-lived and ultimately everybody just went back to status quo. But Anyway, wanted to go ahead and discuss that for a second. The second story that I wanted to give a little more time to is the the Joe Biden sexual allegations. This is getting messy. <laughs> I first talked about it a couple weeks ago in the vein of how 
nobody was really wanting to talk about the story in the press until basically they got forced to. So now that that has happened and this conversation has been forced, there has been some very, very, very interesting reactions from people who, let's just say, are not exactly covering themselves in glory right now. There has been a reckoning of sorts amongst those who have been very vocal supporters of the Me Too movement, and especially those who went all in on the Kavanaugh allegations. And obviously, there are parallels to be drawn here between the Brett Kavanaugh situation and the current Joe Biden situation. I mean, you can look at the allegations against Kavanaugh. And when I say the allegations, I'm talking specifically about the Ford allegations. Like everything else that came after that just got progressively more and more batshit and progressively more and more easy to discredit and debunk. But people still went all in on that too. So the standard was set, obviously, during the Kavanaugh hearing that one must believe all women. And this standard was pushed by one Joe Biden, who specifically said, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the quote in front of me, but in relationship to Ford or to any woman that comes forward with sexual assault allegations, that if a woman is going to risk coming forward and going public and standing in the bright lights of public glare, we should all assume that she is telling the truth or the the essence of the truth, which I don't even know what essence of truth is, but basically that if a woman is going to come forth with sexual assault allegations in public, that the de facto stance should be that you should believe her, even if maybe the particulars don't make sense or maybe the dates aren't lining up or whatever, but that the, the essence of the claim of sexual assault should be automatically believed. Well, here we are in May of 2020, and all of a sudden that stance is really coming back to bite him in the ass because our our new shifting goalpost here is that believe all women didn't mean believe all women. It meant you should listen to them and not not believe them, but that you should verify their claims. Okay, first off, that is not the standard that was applied in the Kavanaugh situation. Not at all. Ford was automatically believed no matter what, because I I mean, it's not even really that she came forward. She basically got outed, which I don't know how many people remember that, but she had specifically asked for these allegations to not be made public, and then they were made public. So she kind of got forced out into the limelight. Anywho... The, the standard that was put forth was that she was telling the truth and that Kavanaugh was lying. And that was that. And as far as the credibility of Tara Reid's claims, Ford's claims, my stance is where it was during the Kavanaugh hearings in that we're never going to know what happened. I mean, we're never going to conclusively know what did or did not happen. So... I'm not entirely sure how to adjudicate a claim like this when there's not going to be any conclusive evidence one way or the other. It's basically going to come down 
to who you want to believe. And the the shifting stance between the Kavanaugh situation and the current Biden situation shows that a lot of who you want to believe is very, very situational. Even for the people who screamed the longest and the loudest about believing all women, I'm looking at you, Alyssa Milano, who has come out and said, I'm still voting for Biden. And I, yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like it it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> the, the hypocrisy on this one is burned quite a bit. And you have various women coming forward, various senators basically saying, well, Joe Biden said he didn't do it. So I believe him. I'm like, wow, where the hell were you when Brett Kavanaugh said, I didn't sexually assault that woman? I that he certainly didn't get that benefit of the doubt. It wasn't like, oh, well, you know, he seems to have a pretty decent record and there's been no report since then and yada, yada, yada. Nope. He was automatically disbelieved and Biden was automatically believed. And even if you want to try to stack up, and some people have tried to make this sort of argument with Biden that, well, you know, nobody else has made these accusations, which, excuse me, how many women have accused him of inappropriately touching them? I have lost count. I, I mean, nobody else has accused him of what Tara Reid is accusing him of, but of being handsy and creepy. Yeah, that's kind of his reputation. Whereas if you compare it to Kavanaugh's reputation, where, all right, you have this one allegation of something he did back when he was in high school. Maybe there might have been some shenanigans in college. But since then, he has been somebody who has gone out of his way to hire and promote women all during his judgeships, he's hired clerks that are women. Um, as it stands right now, he has more women clerking for him than any other Supreme Court justice. I mean, he, you could say that, obviously, if you want to go back and look at actual concrete things that you can point to that somebody has done to promote women, uh, Kavanaugh has done just as much, if not more, than Joe Biden has. I mean, everybody cites the Violence Against Women Act. I'm like, okay, cool. You, you've championed the Violence Against Women Act. You, you want me to give you like a gold star for doing something that any normal human being should do? Like, you want me to give you a round of applause for being against violence against women? <laughs> I feel like Chris Rock right now. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's been this kind of shift in standards and who we hold accountable for what and who we believe and who we don't believe. Ooh, Nelly. And there's one piece that I'm probably going to give its own episode where the writer comes out and point blank says, I believe Tara Reid, but voting for Biden is more important. And I, I kind of want to give that piece its own episode because it's just, it's, jaw-dropping in so many ways to see somebody basically say that their principles, or at least their stated principles, don't mean shit to them. To be completely honest, they mean nothing to you. They're completely situational, and you will throw them on the bonfire to get, what, to get Trump out of office? Like, I, oh, anyway, like I said, that one's going to get its own episode. I think I've decided now. I just got to figure out when I'm going to have time to record that. But anyway, 
Yeah. It's it's been it's been wild to watch the hypocrisy unfold. And this probably wouldn't be as bad for Biden if Biden himself had not been the one to help put forth that standard that now he does not want to be held to. Now you want to move the goalpost. Now you want it to be trust but verify. That's not the standard you set. And if you can't be held to your own standards that you put out there, then you're chicken shit. I mean, you put it out there. Those are your standards. Why wouldn't you be held to your own standards? That's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. And, and, and no, we're not moving the goalpost. You said what you said. Everybody knows what you said. Everybody knows what the Me Too movement said during the Kavanaugh situation. You don't get to walk that back now. And there are people out there. Kristen Powers actually got busted for this on Twitter, point blank saying that, well, we never said believe all women. And people went back and found the receipts. They went back and found the old tweets and she actually ended up deleting them, but not before people screenshotted them. That's always the trick, people. First you, screen sc- first you screenshot, then you tweet. That way you make sure you get that screenshot before they delete them. But it's just like, you really think we don't remember? Do you really think nobody remembers what happened during the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings? I remember. I covered them. That's still the wildest shit I have ever seen. Like, that is the first time in all of this that I really questioned whether there was like an alternate reality that people were living in. Like it felt like I was watching something else completely separate from what another group of people was watching. And I was just like, what the hell, man? What the fuck is going on? Is there actually like, did I miss a section of confirmation hearing that these people watched? Or did I miss an interview? Or did I, did I miss something? Like I was kind of questioning myself. It's like, no, wait, These people are just interpreting the thing that I watched in a completely opposite way of how I interpreted it. Anyway, it was just, it's wild. It's wild to watch people try to go back and retcon that whole situation like we weren't all there watching it. It wasn't that long ago. It's just, I I was, woo. Anyway, um... A piece of news that I'm not going to go too deep into right now, but we do have to touch on this because it touches on this particular story. Uh, Betsy DeVos has just released updates to the Title IX protocols for reporting sexual assaults on campuses, and it allows for a lot more due process, um, a lot more rights for the accused. Um, It does away with a lot of the sort of investigation standards that were used pre-correction that allowed for like single investigators or for the accused to never have a chance to question their accuser or provide any evidence, or in some cases, not even know that they're being accused of something until after it's been decided that they're guilty of it. So... Anyway, obviously, there's a big, big hullabaloo about that, even even from these people, even from these people who are right now screaming for due process for Joe Biden. They want to bitch about these Title IX corrections. It's like, how hypocritical can you possibly be? And this also includes Joe Biden, who said that if he became president, he would undo these changes, which... (laughs) Um, Even if you go by... The original standards that the Obama administration put out that Biden championed, 
you would have to find Joe Biden guilty of sexual assault in this situation. You would have to. If you used the 50-50 standard, the preponderance of evidence standard, the, the automatically believing your accuser and the accused being the one to have to prove their innocence, you would have to find Joe Biden guilty. Again, those are the standards that y'all people put out there. So I don't know why people are mad right now that Joe Biden's being held to Joe Biden's standards or that Joe Biden is being held to Title IX standards that he upheld. I don't know why they're mad that he's being held to Me Too standards that were put out there. You know, and, and there were so many of us who said and fought against this stuff and said, you know what? One day, one day it is going to be one of your own. And then what are you going to do? What's going to happen then? And here we are. And raise whatever questions you want about timing, about motivation. I don't know. I, I don't know. I cannot tell you if this happened. All I can tell you is that this has been the reaction to these claims. And it has just been rather, rather surprising to watch how far people will twist themselves into knots not only to try to protect Joe Biden, but to pretend the Kavanaugh situation never happened. That's what blows me away. Like, it wasn't that long ago. We were all there. We all saw you. We all heard what you said. Don't lie now. Don't try to play it off like you didn't say what you said, because you did. And we all heard you. And it's not what you're trying to say now. That ain't what you said then. You could have said that then. There's there's nothing that could have stopped anybody back during the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings from saying, you know what, I I believe Ford, but we need to have an investigation. We need to kind of sort this out. That's not what happened. And we had a whole ass confirmation hearing where we, we had to like talk about this down to discussing like his date book from back then and how much he liked beer. Like, what the fuck? Oh my gosh. Anyway. This is still obviously an unfolding story because, I mean, he has finally been asked about it. Uh, Mika Bresny did an interview with him on Fox and Friends a couple of mornings back, and she was fairly rough on him. I mean, she didn't let him slide, and that's where we got a lot of this goalpost moving. <sighs> I mean, this story ain't going away now. I mean, it's just not. It's... For better or for worse, whether you believe her or don't believe her, the story is here. And there have been calls for the Library of Congress to release any of Joe Biden's papers that might pertain to any allegations that Tara Reid might have filed during her time working for his office. Um, Reid herself has said, even if these papers do come out, you're not going to see an accusation of sexual assault. You're going to see an accusation of sexual harassment, which that's a whole nother ball of wax, because now, now the people who want to defend Biden want to get up on this horse of saying, well, why didn't she report it then? Which I thought we already had this conversation several times already about the reasons why women don't report their sexual assaults when they happen. There's lots of reasons why you may not want to. And Reed, in her situation, has said that at the time she had a kid. I mean, it's Joe Biden. He's never not been a popular senator. And she was just like, I don't, I didn't want to deal with it. 
Like, I, I did not want to go through that. And she would hardly be the first victim of sexual assault to say that. To just be like, you know what? I don't I don't want to go through the process. It's, it's I don't want to be re-traumatized. I don't want to have to tell my story in court. I don't I don't want to face my rapist. I don't I want none of this. I just want to move on. Wouldn't be the first person to say that. Wouldn't be the first person to not want to file an accusation of sexual assault against a powerful person, a very popular person, for obvious reasons that are playing out right the fuck now. Like, why anybody would even have to ask that question right now of why she didn't report then? I'm like, um, well, it wouldn't have been any different for her then than it is now. It would have been the same circus. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just it, so many of the the stances that the Me Too movement made in relationship to other people are all of a sudden just getting tossed in the trash when it comes to trying to defend Biden, because the most important thing, apparently, is getting rid of Trump. It's not believing all women. It's not believing survivors of sexual assault. It's not supporting the survivors of sexual assault. It's doing it when it is politically convenient for you and when it may have certain political ramifications that you support. So therefore, you will support that particular woman making that particular claim. But when all of a sudden it's a woman making a claim against somebody that you like or is doing it in a way that's going to be politically inconvenient for you, all of a sudden it's like, I guess, screw that, I suppose. But before we leave out of this, um, one other thing I do want to talk about, and that is kind of to come a little bit to Biden's defense here. Um, somebody has apparently tried to give Biden the Kavanaugh treatment in the way of coming forward with allegations that are demonstrably false. Like I said, during the, the Kavanaugh situation, you had Ford, and I mean, you could believe or not believe, but then you had like Julie Swetnick and Deborah Ramirez, and like you got to the point where Kavanaugh was being accused of drugging and gang raping women. Like it, it got nuts. It got really nuts. So, um, basically, <laughs> somebody who is apparently Christine O'Donnell's niece uh, said that Biden had verbally harassed her back in 2008 at a dinner when she was 14 years old. He apparently allegedly, well, I can't even say allegedly, he didn't because it was proven that he was not even at this dinner. But as the story goes, he made an inappropriate comment about her breasts and she was only 14 and that's creepy if such a thing happened. But people went back into the records for this particular dinner and Joe Biden was not present at that dinner. Actually, he sent one of his aides because he had to stay home. He just had minor surgery. So then the story changed. It's like, oh, no, wait, it wasn't the one in 2008. It was the one in 2009, which he wasn't at that one either. <laughs> so it's like, oh, my God, don't don't do this. Do not do this. Just like in the Kavanaugh situation. When you have people coming forth with obviously false allegations of sexual misconduct, it dilutes the claim that may or may not be credible and puts it in that non-credible category because now all of a sudden people start lumping all of these claims together and they're like, okay, well, everybody's lying. No, possibly, but I don't know. But 
we have been able to prove that Joe Biden, at least until in, in 2008 or 2009, did not say anything weird about a 14-year-old's boobs. <laughs> what? I, I swear to God, if you'd have told me when I started covering politics that that is a sentence that I would have to say, I would not have believed you. I would have thought, that's crazy talk. Why would I have to say that sentence? But I just said it. <laughs> And it's not funny, but it is. And so <laughs> there's been kind of jokey rumors going around that um, the reason they want Joe Biden to release his papers and to release his papers from University of Delaware, too, is so that they can start matching up their dates better to get these sexual allegations out. <sighs> yeah, but um, not getting rid of Joe Biden. This, this reminds me a lot, the whole like, oh, well, maybe they'll replace him at the, the convention. Yeah, I remember when everybody thought that in 2016 about Trump and look how that turned out. <sighs> There's, there is a bit of karma here, though, that now their candidate has to be saddled with this. There's a little bit of karma there. So we tried to warn you. So many people tried to warn you, but you didn't want to hear it. So now here we are. So... Obviously, this will be an ongoing story. So at this point, I'll go ahead and wrap this up. I'm sure I will be revisiting it again sometime in the future. But for right now, let's go ahead and call it an episode. So if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.